Good evening, everyone, and thank you for coming back and joining me tonight on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and what a great show we have in store for you tonight. My first guest will be Ron Syrak. You probably know Ron as a senior writer for Golf Digest and a regular contributor on the Golf Channel. But what you might not know is he's one of the most decorated writers in the history of the sport of golf. In 2015, Ron was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award for Journalism by the PGA of America. That same year, he also received the Media Excellence Award by the LPGA and the Lincoln Worden Journalism Award by the Metropolitan Golf Writers Association as well. He's authored or helped author four, four books, including a biography about Greg Norman, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. He's written thousands of articles over the years, a few of which I want to look back on and get Ron's perspective about. We'll also look ahead to 2018. We'll talk about some of the rules changes that we heard about this week. So a great deal to get into with Ron when he joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visit from Kathleen O'Dell. Kathleen recently retired after 20-plus years working at Nike, most recently as their uh, territory, territory Director of Sporting Goods for the East Coast. Going back to her college days, she was a three-time national champion soccer player at the University of North Carolina. She was helping the Tar Heels women's team win uh, sac- uh, soccer national championships. At the same time, Michael Jordan was there helping the basketball team win national championships. So we'll talk about what it was like being on campus during those years. We'll, all, we'll also talk about Nike's exit from the golf equipment business and what brand of golf you know, equipment she's going to be playing now, both clubs and golf balls. So Kathleen will be along with me about 25 minutes from now. So folks, more great stories coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me here over the next hour. And as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they have going on this winter. When planning your next golf buddy trip, consider something completely different for 2018 at French Lick Resort. The Eagles, Birdies, and Pigeons Package. That's right, Pigeons. Take your best shot with a day at our Pete Dye course, a day at our Donald Ross course, then top it off with an outing at our new Sporting Clay shooting range. This package is reserved for groups of 12 or more. Just you and a pal craving a world-class golf getaway? Well, our Hall of Fame package can't be beat for a pure golf experience and value. Pete Dye, Donald Ross, and our two historic hotels make a legendary combination. French Lick Resort can also help you bring your game to the next level. Check out our Early Birdies Tune-Up, our Game Changer, and Rapid Recovery Golf Academies. Start making those 2018 plans now with an online visit to FrenchLick.com. French Lick Resort, home of the 2018 Senior LPGA Championship and the Symmetra Tour Donald Ross Classic. Folks, be sure to go online to check out what a great place it is. And, boy, you're just going to be so impressed when you look at the hotels and the golf courses available to you up there at the French Lick Resort. Go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great a place it is and to book your stay as well. And, folks, have you heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last couple of months? Well, if you haven't, listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. 
Take the progress you make on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that can go on the course with you. I have club hub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, folks, since I put club hub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I have learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and the green, but after your round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole in the course and see exactly where you hit every shot. No other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review your round the way the Club Hub app does. It's available for Android or iPhones, and the app keeps track of your swing speed with every club in your bag, your tempo, your angle of attack, plus a, a 3D view of your swing as well. No other rangefinder can do all of that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com to order your set of Club Hub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, go online to clubhubgolf.com and enter the coupon code NEXT and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great little price and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. Folks, we're also excited to be partnering with the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. They are back with the same great equipment that you know and love without the retail markup that you hate. Now you can buy premium Ben Hogan irons, wedges, utility irons, hybrids, and bags directly from the factory at prices your wallet's going to appreciate. Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com or give them a call at 844-53-HOGAN. That's 844-534-6426 to learn more and to order your set today. Plus, also go online to check out our good friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. Their new holiday collection is out. The shift in seasons is an opportunity to change things up layer upon layer. Give your wardrobe a boost of dapper style. They've added some great new details and fresh colors with additions with genuine, enduring character. See the new holiday collection by going online to bobbyjones.com. And folks, as you know, we are proud to be uh, partnering with uh, Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure. And one of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you now through Caddy for a Cure. Spend a day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and Fancona Anemia. You're going to get to walk side by side with your tour player experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to this amazing experience, you're going to receive a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, which includes Under Armour logoed apparel and an eyewear package, a tour-grade Caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marking gift, chef's cut real jerky, and professional photos of your day as well. Go online to Caddy for a Cure, that's C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E, caddyforacure.com to learn more. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Ron Syrak. Let me give you some background on Ron. He's from Newcastle, Pennsylvania, which is about 50 miles northwest of my hometown of Pittsburgh on the Pennsylvania-Ohio border. He attended Franklin Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where he uh, was able to write for the Lancaster Independent Press. His first job in golf was filling the pop cooler at Castle Hills Golf Course in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. You probably know Ron's work as a senior writer for Golf Digest and a regular contributor on the Golf Channel. He is also an executive director for Golf World. Prior to that, he worked for the Associated Press for 18 years, the first seven of which was supervising as a news editor before becoming deputy sports editor and then a golf writer. He's authored, authored three books along the way with uh, Pia Nielsen and Lynn Marriott entitled Every Shot Must Have a Purpose, 
the game before the game and play your best golf now. He's also written a biography about Greg Norman. Like you heard at the top of the show, in 2015, great year for Ron. He received the PGA of America Lifetime Achievement Award for Journalism. He uh, also received the Media Excellence Award from the LPGA. He also received the Lincoln Worden Journalism Award from the Metropolitan Golf Writers Association, and I'm thrilled that he is with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Ron, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. Really a pleasure. So, Ron, before we get into all the golf talk, as we look ahead to this weekend, you know, I know you're from just north of Pittsburgh and you now live over on Cape Cod. I'm from Pittsburgh, uh, also live several years on the South Shore in a town called Marshfield over there in Massachusetts. But, you know, being a Steeler fan is stamped on my DNA. So, yeah, as we were talking just before the show, you're a Steeler fan as well, right? Yeah, I am. I'm going to sort of have to stay inside and watch the game, not go out, you know, being a Pittsburgh Pirate fan is no threat to anybody out here, so that I can be that openly. <laughs> but I got to low key the Steelers and the Penguins because they take the Patriots and the Bruins pretty seriously in this part of the country. <laughs> no doubt they do. So how, how do you feel? I mean, yeah, you know, we we got we saw the Dolphins beat the Patriots uh, on Monday Night Football. The Steelers, you know, eked out another win, a, a big win over the Ravens. But how do you feel about the game this Sunday? I think it's all about getting the pass rush on Brady. You know, I mean, that's how the Dolphins beat. He doesn't like, he, he doesn't, he looked a little bit last night like a 40 year old quarterback. You know, he doesn't like to get hit and, uh, threw some bad passes. So they, they got to get on him. But, uh, uh, I think that, uh, I think they got a chance. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's all about how the, the, the killer bees play. You got to get, uh, Ben and, uh, and Le'Veon and, uh, and Antonio Brown. And man, what a place kicker we got now. Yes, I, you know, I, I, I say a lot to uh, my Steeler friends that, you know, Bozzi might be the best player on the team. I know Le'Veon Bell is great and, and Antonio Brown is great. And, you know, Ben has certainly had great years and, and that sort of thing. But boy, you know, Bozzi is, uh, is money. That guy, uh, he just comes through time after time, knock on wood that that, that continues. Yep. But boy, you can sure count on him. Yep. It's all, it's fun to watch. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch. So, Ron, uh, you know, around golf, the big topic, you know, so far this week has been the news that uh, viewers are no longer going to be able to call in regarding rules violations. Video real, uh, you know, review is still going to be allowed, but not at the prodding of people watching on TV. And, and I saw your feedback on the morning drive on the Golf Channel yesterday. Did the USGA and the RNA get this right, or do you still think they've got gaps that they need to address? Well, I think that they got uh, um, most of the way there. Uh, you know, I was at the ANA Inspiration when Lexi Thompson got the four-stroke penalty uh, that, that costed the tournament. And um, and I wrote then they need to do three things. One, stop viewer call-ins. Just have a rules official watch the TV feed. If they see something, call it. Otherwise, no harm, no foul. Um, two is that second penalty. That was the real injustice to Lexi was not, you could argue, um, a pretty convincing case that she did not replace her ball properly and should have been penalized two strokes for that. The second two-stroke penalty for not recording the proper score in her scorecard is absurd. How can you penalize somebody for not recording a score they didn't know they make? Well, they've changed that. And the third thing that I would do that they didn't change here is um, I, I am, I'm, I'm opposed to second-day penalties. Um, it drives me crazy that you could be penalized Sunday for something that happened Saturday, but you can't be penalized Monday for something that happened Sunday because the tournament's considered closed when the last scorecard signed on Sunday. 
I think every round should be closed when the last scorecard is signed and no second-day penalties. So they got most of the way there. The big thing was eliminating that viewer call-in. Just have a rules official watch TV. Yeah, to that end, Ron, do you think that they're going to take another look at, you know, the the second-day rule thing and, you know, that that's going to be something that's on their plate to take a look at later on? Or do you think they've dismissed it? Well, you know, it, it may not come up as much anymore because when there's been second-day uh, second rule situations, it's, it's almost always been either a viewer – uh, who's called in on the second day, or I was at uh, uh, one tournament, the Samsung World Championship, ooh, boy, probably 10, 12 years ago, Michelle Wee's first tournament uh, as a pro, and she was DQ'd uh, because a member of the media pointed out uh, that she had taken a bad drop the day before. Uh, so I, I tend to think that because they've, they've it, it virtually eliminated the viewer call-in thing, uh, that that will pretty much reduce those second-day penalties. But I would still have on the books the rule being when the last scorecard is signed on Thursday, the Thursday round's over. When the last scorecard signed on Friday, the Friday's round's over, and do it that way all the way through. Ron, I was looking back over a lot of the articles that you've written over the years, and a piece that you wrote about 10 years ago about Bob Dylan allegedly being a <laughs> golfer, and you say allegedly because no one has <laughs> visual proof that he does, in fact, play the game, although Golf Digest once ranked him as the 63rd best, you know, amongst their top 100 musician golfers. And in that article, you wrote, who else would understand the grand aspirations and pitiful sufferings of the human soul better than one who has tested his medal <laughs> on a golf course? So, you know, looking at the article and in, 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 the, in the proof, did you ever get visual evidence? Because his website says he's a golfer. No, uh, the, the the closest that I've heard is I heard that he and his brother bought property in Scotland, uh, up north, north of Aberdeen, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, and that had joined a golf club there. But I still don't know anybody who's ever seen him on the golf course. I know, you know, Neil Young's a golfer. People have seen him play, but I, I've never heard anybody say that. Uh, that, that they have that they have visual proof that Bob plays, but I, I could see him being into it because one of the things you know one of the reasons that celebrities like golf so much is that it's a place that they can go to escape the public. You know, they get out on the golf course, and you know, if you're walking down the street in in New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles, you get recognized and and, and people come up to you. But if you're on a golf course, you're pretty much left alone. And and I, I I've heard that said by a lot of very prominent people, celebrities. Part of what they love about golf is the isolation out there. And Ron, going back another 10 years, so 20 years ago, you wrote an article about <laughs> Ben Hogan right after he passed away. And, and I don't think this generation, not enough people know about you know what Mr. Hogan accomplished over his career, including the amazing year he had in 1953, winning five of the six tournaments he played in, and three of those wins were at the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. And who knows what might have happened if the PGA Championship was in today's tournament format as opposed to being match play, which it was back then. And the poor guy couldn't even you know get into it, couldn't enter it because of you know his leg injury from his 1949 car accident. But talk about what a what a golfer, what a great golfer, Mr. Hogan was. Yeah, you know, when, when people have the, the greatest ever conversations, and I, I'm, I pretty much, you know, I'm not a fan of greatest ever conversations because I don't think you can compare generations. In my mind, it sort of goes from Harry Varden to Bobby Jones to Ben Hogan to Jack Nicholas to Tiger Woods. But 
when you're talking about greatest ever and, and people try to reduce it to just a Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas conversation, Hogan's got to be in that mix. Um, you know, okay, Jack won uh, 18 majors, Tigers won 14, Hogan won nine. Ben Hogan never played four majors in a season in his career. Nicholas played four majors in a season, something like 32 years in a row, you know, uh, and, and, and Tiger had a very, very long streak in there where he was playing. So, so Hogan had far fewer opportunities between World War II, which took a bunch of majors away from him, the fact that he only went to the British Open once, and he won it the one time that he went there, and then what he did after the car crash on, a, uh, you know, 1953, um, he only played six tournaments, won five of them, and three of them were majors. <laughs> you can make an argument that, that that's in the running for, for the greatest year that anybody's ever had. Uh, I, I, he had won... 46, 47, and 48, he had won a total of 30 tournaments in those three years. He went like 13 wins, 7 wins, 10 wins. The only PGA player ever to have double-digit wins twice in his career and had already won two tournaments in 1949 when he had the car crash uh, in early February of uh, 1949. Um, so he, he was on his way to some some phenomenal, phenomenal numbers. And uh I have a vivid memory of being, I was 17 years old, I think, when it was the 67 Masters. And on Saturday, he was nearly 55 years old, and he shot 66 on Saturday, 30 on the back nine, birdied all of Amen Corner um, to move into contention. He was like one or two off the lead going into Sunday and faded on Sunday, shot 77. But But you sort of knew when you were seeing that that it was the last great round by one of the greatest ever to play the game. And the guy who pretty much virtually invented practice, he's the guy who really said, this is where tournaments are won. It's one on the range on those days when you aren't competing. And speaking of the Masters, Ron, you, you've covered you know, Masters, the Masters for many years. And, and last year, they unveiled a, a new press center, which, like everything else they do there, looks absolutely amazing. Talk about the things that you have seen at Augusta National evolve over the years that you've been out there covering that event. Well, when I first went to the Masters, the press center was a Quonset hut. It, it you know, literally was a Quonset hut that they, had, that they had built for the media. And then they built a, an incredible state-of-the-art media center, that a couple of years ago they decided it wasn't good enough and, and they built the, uh, uh, what they have now. Uh, you know, the amazing thing about Augusta National is when they make changes there, you get there, they've made changes and the changes look like they've been there forever. If they add trees off to the side of, when they added trees to the right side of number 15, well, um, they didn't put saplings in there. They brought in 40-foot Georgia pines and put them in. Everything looks like uh, it, it's been there forever. They have uh, uh, just an amazing job of the way that golf course uh, has evolved and continued to evolve over the years. Uh, the other thing that really impresses me that I'm not entirely sure that Augusta National gets enough credit for is they've taken, particularly uh, while Billy Payne was uh, uh, chairman and he's just stepped down as chairman of the club, they took a real leadership role in growing the game programs. They created the Asia Pacific and Amateur Championship, and the winner of that gets a spot in the Masters. They created the Latin American Amateur Championship, and the winner gets in the Masters. They created the Drive, Chip, and Putt Contest, and the finalists, so those kids get to come uh, to, to the uh, Augusta and the Sunday before the Masters get to have the finals there. Those are hugely important grow-the-game programs that have uh, attracted uh, – attention to the game of golf 
and have really reached out um, to, to international players and have reached out to junior players. Uh, I think that their leadership role in growing the game is really, really impressive. So looking back over all the years that you've covered that event, what are some of your favorite memories? What are some of the things that stick out to you about the tournament or, you know, Augusta National itself? What are some of the things that you like, you know, reflecting on? Well, you know, I remember in, in, in 95, um, Ben Crenshaw came in there with uh, um, um, there was no reason to consider him one of the favorites. He was really off form. And the uh, right before the tournament, uh, his longtime coach, Harvey Penick, died. And Ben went and was pallbearer for him on Wednesday before the tournament was pallbearer back in Texas, came to the Masters and he won it. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm never going to get a better story to write than Ben Crenshaw winning this Masters. The next year, Greg Norman has a six-stroke lead going to the final round on Sunday. He's paired with Nick Faldo. Faldo shoots a 67. Everybody remembers Norman's 78. Nick Faldo's 67 is one of the greatest closing rounds in a major championship by anybody, and Faldo won that. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm never going to write a better story than this. The next year, Tiger Woods, 21 years old, shows up, shoots 40 on the front nine going out, and it looks like, Okay, this place is too much for him, and then he ends up winning the tournament by 12 strokes at the age of uh, at the age of 21, and uh, for for three consecutive, and that tells you that tells you everything pretty much there is about the Masters for three consecutive years, 95, 96, 97, it kept topping in, itself in terms of uh, producing great stories. It's uh, it's a very very special place. I'll, t- I'll take you one one year later, February of 1998. You wrote an article saying Jack Nicklaus should be given an exemption to play in the U.S. Open for life. And then that April, he went out and finished sixth at the Masters at age 58. <laughs> talk about, you know, yeah. why. And you, you you throw, you know, obviously Mr. Palmer into the equation as well. Talk about why you thought Nicklaus and Palmer deserved to play in the U.S. Open whenever they wanted to. Well, first, for, for that, that 98 Masters, I remember on Sunday, uh, Nicholas was paired with Ernie Els, and I'm walking with their group. And on number seven, uh, Nicholas rolls in about a 15-foot left-to-right birdie putt, and it goes in and, it, and to move within two shots of the lead. And the roars around the green were unbelievable. And I looked at, I mean, the hair on my arm was standing on end. It was such an electric moment. And I looked at Ernie Els, and I knew at that moment, Els had no chance to win this golf tournament because he had just become a Jack Nicholas fan. At that point, you know, he's playing with Jack, but, but he wanted, he wanted Jack to win. And, and, uh, uh, I believe Jack ended up finish, finishing sixth at the age of 58 or 59. And, um, but, you know, what Nicholas Palmer and Gary Player did for the game of golf is, is just never, 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 uh, you know, we live in a time period right now. And this is one of the things that I try to push back against a lot. I have enormous respect and admiration and appreciation for what Tiger Woods did. But we have a generation of fans out there now who sort of think Tiger Woods invented golf, and they uh-huh. sort of need to be reminded. They need to be reminded, you know. And I, I'll say this: one of the greatest debts of gratitude that true golf fans owe to Tiger Woods is that he reminded an entire generation, maybe two generations, who never saw Nicholas play at his peak, how great Jack was. Because as remarkable as Tiger was, as the, the astounding things Tiger did, he didn't catch Jack. You know, he's still four behind him. I don't think he's going to get five and, and pass Jack. And and that should make us appreciate even more. And here's the advantage Tiger had. Tiger knew what the finish line was. 
He knew that 18 is how many majors Jack has. He knew that that's to get there. If somebody had tapped Nicholas on the shoulder in 1980 when he had 17 majors and said, hey, Jack, you need to get to 21 or 22, he'd have done it. But he was already he had already blown past Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones and 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 but Tiger had that advantage in knowing where the finish line was and he didn't get there and there's a lot of reasons why Tiger didn't get there but the bottom line is is as remarkable astounding unbelievable as Tiger was everybody should really appreciate that wow this Nicholas guy must have been really pretty good too because Tiger didn't catch him. And Ron, you wrote a biography about Greg Norman. So I'm curious, did you, did something come out of writing that book, you know, that, you know, you didn't know going in? Was there anything that you learned about Greg Norman that, you know, really surprised you as you were writing that book? Yeah, you know, it was really easy, particularly at that time. It was really easy to, to bash Greg Norman as the guy who can't get it done. You know, in 86, he had the Saturday slam where he led all four majors after 54 holes, only won one of them. What I came away with was, Jack is Greg Norman is one of the most resilient athletes uh, that I've ever seen in any sport. That guy took it on the chin so many times and always bounced back up. Um, what he doesn't get credit for is there's a stretch in, in, in the, at the peak of his career. He finished in the top 10 in 14 consecutive major championships. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't win as many as he should. Uh, you know, Nick Faldo won six majors. Greg Norman won, won, won two. But, but is Faldo three times better than Greg Norman? No. Uh, uh, but the, Norman was always on the leaderboard. And that's the thing that I probably ended up respecting the most about him is the guy was always in contention. Maybe he didn't get across the finish line first as often as he should have, but he was always in contention. Uh, probably the greatest driver of the golf ball that, that I've ever seen for hitting the ball long and straight. Uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, when when Rory McIlroy has his A game right now, he's better than Norman was because he hits it farther than Norman did. But um, McIlroy doesn't have his A game as often as Greg Norman did. Uh, I don't think Norman gets the respect and the appreciation he deserves for the fact that that yeah maybe he didn't win as many majors as as we would have liked him to have won, but he was always in the hunt, always. And Ron, you talk about majors, like I mentioned in your intro, 2015, a heck of a year for you. You received the PGA of America Lifetime Achievement Award for Journalism, the Media Excellence Award from the LPGA, the Lincoln Worden Journalism Award from the Metropolitan Golf Writers Association. That's like winning three majors in one year. Talk about what it was like being uh, recognized by your peers and the, and the folks that you wrote for and about you know, for those those awards, what was it like being at the pinnacle of your profession at that point? Well, uh, uh, the PGA of America Lifetime Achievement Award was it was very very special. That's probably the highest the highest honor that that particularly if you're in the magazine business that that uh, that you can get. And um, and what I would particularly was gratifying for me about it when I took over as the golf writer for the Associated Press, um, I was deputy sports editor, and I said. Uh, you know, the one job I'd go back to being a writer for is, is to do the golf beat. And the guy who had been the golf writer for the AP for 26 years had gotten sick and had to retire. And, and But I said, but here's how I want to do it differently. At that time, the AP was covering 43 PGA Tour events a year, and, uh, and, and that's what they covered. That's what the golf writer did. And the first thing I said is, I have no interest in going to 43 tournaments a year. I don't want to travel that much. I said, but we also need to cover – Besides the PGA Tour, we need to cover the women, we need to cover amateurs, we need to cover the business of golf, we need to cover recreational golf, 
We need to cover the whole golf in the biggest sense of the word, not just the PGA Tour. And when I got the PGA of America award, they, they particularly singled out um, the work I had done in terms of covering, elevating coverage of the women and covering uh, and elevating the coverage of the business side of the game. And that was very, very satisfying for me because those, those were two of my missions to, to, to broaden that coverage. Um, I feel very lucky to have been the age that I am because, because I came along, uh, you know, to see the end of, 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 of Hogan and Sneed and to see the peak of Palmer, Nicholas and player and, and Watson and Trevino and, and uh, um, um, Johnny Miller, and then into Seve Ballesteros and, and, and all the phenomenal golfers that came out of Europe, and then to Tiger Woods. And on the women's side, uh, you know, there was a time in there when, you know, I, my two main things for Golf World magazine was to c- cover Tiger Woods tournaments and cover Annika Sorenstam tournaments. And, and I felt that I was truly blessed and that I was covering uh, arguably the best male ever to play the game, arguably the best female ever to play the game. You know, they're, 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 they are two people who are in that conversation. So the timing for me was, uh, was, was, was really perfect. Ron, before we let you go, you've got a wonderful website, ronsyrak.com, and a lot of great information and things on there. Uh, let our listeners know, you know, what they can, what they'll find when they go on your website, plus how they can stay up to date with all the great things you continue to do uh, on social media as well. Yeah, at uh, www.ronsyrak.com, I, I write about golf and I write about journalism. I mean, those are the two things that I know. I, I've been a journalist for 47 years, and I've been around golf for for uh, about 60 years. Uh, so uh, I, I have articles there about both of those things. And, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Ron Syrak. Uh, I'm usually, particularly when something's happening, uh, I'll be out there uh, um, tweeting all the time some, some observations on it. And, uh, and perhaps uh, I'll probably be doing it when the Steelers are playing the Patriots on Sunday, too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Ron, it, it's been a huge thrill for me to get to spend some time with you tonight. I hope you'll come back. I mean, there's obviously a million stories from your experiences in the game that I would sure love to tap into. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime. Like I say, it's uh, it's been an honor to have you as part of the show tonight. It'd be my pleasure. I hope you have me back. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. Happy Thank holidays you. to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again real soon. You too. Happy holidays. Take care. That's Ron Syrak, and uh, again, for those who are not sure how to spell his last name, it's S-I-R-A-K, so ronsyrak.com. A lot of great stuff on his website, and uh, you know, just Google him. He's got so many great articles that uh, I had the opportunity to go back and, and to reread and uh, to catch up you know, for some of the questions we had tonight, some we just didn't have enough time to get to, but he's, uh, he's fantastic, and I can't, uh, I can't thank him enough for being a part of the show. All right, before I get to my next guest, Kathleen O'Dell, I want to give a shout-out to a few of our sponsors. First, I want to remind you about our friends over at SyncIt.com. You know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Team, have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course. Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SyncIt.com. Keep putting that positive thought of sinking the putt in your mind with their great line of T-shirts and hats. To win any golf tournament, right, you got to sink the final putt. We wake up every day to finish strong. Sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, get better each and every day. Have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams with unwavering passion, and you're going to sink it in life. Go online to sinkit.com again to see all of their great products. 
And folks, have you heard me talking about Clubhub sensors over the last couple of months? Well, if you haven't, you got to listen up and get ready to discover the best portable shot tracking and swing analysis golf device out there on the market. Other shot trackers tell you what happened. Clubhub tells you what happened and why. Take the progress that you're making on the practice tee directly to your rounds with the only device of its kind that you can take on the course with you. I have Clubhub sensors on all of my clubs. They screw right into the tops of your grips. And I can tell you, since I put the Clubhub sensors on my clubs, I've learned more about my swing and all of the data surrounding it than I have learned over the 40 years I've been playing the game. Not only do you get GPS distances to the hazards and to the greens, but after your round, you can look back at the images and the layout of every hole on the course that you just played and see exactly where you hit every shot. No other GPS tool on the market captures that and lets you go back and review the round the way the Clubhub app does. It's available you know, for Android or iPhones. The app keeps track of your swing speed of every club you got in your bag, your tempo, the angle of attack, plus you get a 3D view of your swing as well. And no other rangefinder can do that for you. Go over to clubhubgolf.com to order your set of Clubhub sensors today and enter the coupon code NEXT to get 10% off on all products at checkout. Again, go to clubhubgolf.com, enter the coupon code NEXT, and you're going to get the best GPS and swing analysis tool on the market for a great low price, and you're going to see your game in a whole new way. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Power Bar. Energy and focus on the course is essential, whether you're playing you know, on, on tour on your club championship or just your weekend four ball with your buddies. Par Bar, the golfer's nutrition bar, can help you with both of those things, energy and focus. Eat some before you get to the first tee and the rest every three holes until it's finished, and you're going to play with more energy and focus to win. Par Bar was developed by a lifelong golfer and a food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go online to parbargolf.com to order yours today. And this segment of the show, folks, it is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGASuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Kathleen O'Dell. Let me remind you about Kathleen's background. She attended the University of North Carolina, where she earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in communications. She was a goaltender on their women's soccer team and helped them to three national championships in 1983, 84, and 86. Shortly after college, she started working for Nike as a product line manager. She worked her way up, including spending time as a North American sales manager for Nike's soccer category, then to the territory director of sporting goods on the East Coast. She recently retired after 20-plus years of being out on the road working for Nike, and I'm excited that she is back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Kathleen. Thanks for joining me again. Good evening, Chris. Thanks for having me on. So, first of all, Kathleen, congratulations on retiring. Good for you. <laughs> you make me sound so old. <laughs> God bless you. You're, I, you're 32 years old and you're retired. That's fantastic. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. yeah I was good at for you. For over 27 years, and uh, this summer I decided to make the leap. So I'm playing a lot of golf, so that's a good thing. Yeah, good for you. I'm jealous as I could possibly be. <laughs> and hey, Kathleen, for folks who weren't with us last time, like I mentioned in your intro, you helped win three national championships in soccer in the four years you were at the University of North Carolina. And I read a stat that Carolina's women's soccer team has won 20 of the 27 ACC championships and 22 of the 36 NCAA national 
championship. So first of all, it's quite an accomplishment to even be on that team, make that team. So good for you for that. And it, it clearly says that you were one of the best of the best. So, you know, talk about being recruited by North Carolina and playing your college soccer there. You know, I was actually um, committed to go to the University of Connecticut. Um, I had accepted a scholarship um, to play there, but at the last minute, Anson called me up because, crazy story, their starting goalkeeper had decided to quit college and go get married. So he was short a goalkeeper. So he phoned me up, and the reason why he knew so much about me is that season my sister played at Princeton and uh, Carolina won of course but uh, my sister set an NCAA record for most saves in a game so he literally called me and he was like are you as good as your sister and I was like of course I'm better (laughs) so right then and there I said I'll come and then the hardest thing I've ever had to do is to call uh, Connecticut and say that I wasn't coming and to this day, I really, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And, and Kathleen, with I find with elite athletes like you, I, I often find that they are bothered more by the games or the tournaments or the plays that didn't go well or the, you know, the games that they lost more <laughs> than they are happy about the things that they won. So do you look back and think about the three national championships and you're, you know, happy about those things and, and that's great? Or do you find that, you know, some of the games where you guys might have lost or you, you guys came up run, you know, runner-up in 1985 instead of winning the national championship, do the shortcomings bother you more than the winning makes you happy? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think I think about the ones we didn't win. Um, I was lucky in, in college. I only lost three games. Uh, and two were in 1985, uh, the year that we lost in the finals uh, to George Mason. And I think about that game a lot. Um, and it it is funny. I, I, you know, again, I've won all but three games, but those three games, I can remember everything about them. And that's kind of funny that you look back on things like that, but, uh, very blessed. I, you know, I had a great career. We, um, we won a ton of games and, you know, Anson Dorrance is, you know, I'm biased. I think he's the best coach that's ever coached women's soccer. And I'd put him up there against any coach that's ever coached. And the success that you guys had as a soccer team came at a time when Carolina's men's basketball team was having a great deal of success, you know, thanks to some kid named Michael Jordan and, you know, other guys, Sam Perkins, Brad Doherty, Kenny Smith, they had, you know, they were loaded. But was it tough for you guys being on campus and being national champions when those guys were getting all the headlines? Did you guys feel overshadowed by them? Yeah, and I think I think if you ask most women's college players, they'd probably say the same thing. Um, I, what I was most impressed by is I actually met Michael Jordan one time when I was in school, and we had our practice gear on, and he looked at me and my roommate, and he was like, hey, you guys are great. You know, are you going to win again this year? And, you know, we were looking at each other like, wow, Jordan knows soccer. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was funny. Our Our stadium – is on the way to the basketball stadium and the football stadium. So a lot of people would park and during games, they'd kind of be walking through because at Carolina, there's a track that runs around the soccer field. And it would always be so disappointing that, you know, here we are the best team in the country and everybody's 
going past us to go to a football game or a basketball game. So it was a little disappointing, but, you know, it's hard to compete with, with the men's basketball program at Carolina. So Kathleen, let's, let's, let's talk a little golf and, and, and I know how much you enjoy the game, but since Nike got out of the golf equipment business, are you still playing Nike clubs or, or is it time to switch over to another brand? I am playing, uh, Nike irons. Um, you know, while I was at Nike, I always had our equipment. I, I actually still play our irons. I like our clubs. Um, I just, I, I use my three wood and my five wood or Nike as well, but I just switched to a Callaway driver. Um, I, I was hesitant, but somebody gave me one one day when we were out <laughs> playing and I actually hit it 20 yards farther and I was like, Oh, look what I've been missing all this time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hey, using look, the no new one Epic. could hold that against you. I mean, Tiger's not playing Nike clubs anymore yeah, either. No. So, you know, they got to give you a pass since they got out of the business. Yeah. Are you playing? Do you have a stockpile of Nike golf balls that you're still using, or are you switching over to Callaway there too? So I, um, when we were getting out of the the equipment business, uh, we have an we had an we have an employee website where we can get um, things at a discount, and they were having a huge sale on the balls, and I bought over 20 boxes of balls. Oh so my. I still have. Quite a stock. I'm sure they're kind of like, okay, who's this kook buying all the the, <laughs> the balls? Um, but I'm experimenting with other balls because I've I've used Nike balls my entire time. So I'm I'm playing Pro V ones and uh, I actually like Bridgestone. So I'm I'm kind of testing a few things here and there. So, but it's so uh, it's be is tap, it tap sort of your own sort of driving? Price. Are you, are you looking at, you know, the different balls just to see, you know, hey, I got 20 more yards out of this Callaway driver. Can I get 20 <laughs> more yards out of this ball versus that ball versus the Nike ball? I do do that. You know, you hit a great shot and you're like, oh, it must be the ball. And then I have this, you know, I think golf's tremendous a mental uh, game. And anytime I'm playing poorly, I always go back to the Nike ball and I'm like, see, it's the ball. And then all of a sudden I start playing well and it just reinforces that crazy mindset that we get in our heads as golfers that it must be the equipment and not the golfer. And Kathleen, you know, talking about golf balls and there's been so much talk about how far, you know, the ball flies. Now even Tiger Woods is starting to question it, you know, based on your time at Nike and what you saw around development of the Nike golf balls and that sort of thing. Do you think the golf ball manufacturers will ever be convinced to to change the design, to dial it back, even if it's just for the tour players? Or do you think they're going to be so resistant to that that, you know, that's that the sort of the toothpaste is out of the tube at this point? I think if if testing shows that it goes further, I think they will make changes. I mean, I, I look back on, you know, my time in soccer and people always told us you'll never make synthetic soccer cleats that, you know, the, the industry and the, the consumer won't buy into it. And now if you look, almost every soccer boot is synthetic. So I think if testing bears it out and it, it goes further, I think they'll change it. Um, but until then, you know, I, I look at it in Pro V1s. Majority of people using Pro V1s probably shouldn't use Pro V1s, but they're convinced that it's the best ball for them. And if the pros use it, I should use it. Um I think testing, if, if testing shows that it, it's further, I think they would change it. 
And the pros will always go so, with what makes them better. So Kathleen, yeah, I'm sure you've you've been able to be a part of a ton of great golf, you know, events and that sort of thing. What what's your favorite golf experience so far? Wow, that's a that's a good one. I you know, since I wasn't in, in Nike golf, I didn't really do any uh golf tournaments for work just because I wasn't in that division. Um, you know, as a player I've played a lot of golf courses. I think T P C Sawgrass is one of my favorite courses. Wow. Um, I just love that track. I just think it's a, it, it's a great design. Um, I, I like Pinehurst. Um, I haven't played number two since they, uh, redid it, but, um, Pinehurst number eight is one of my favorite courses. Uh, you know, it, uh, I love golf anywhere. <laughs> it could be, you know, at a public course down the street. Uh, I, I really enjoy playing and, um, I, I, I don't, I don't really go to a lot of pro events because I find, uh, as a woman and, and not being extremely tall, once you get in a gallery, it's really hard to see. I went to the Women's Open a few years ago and I, I couldn't really see. Uh, so I kind of like to watch it on TV. So Kathleen, you know, on the golf course, we, we all sort of have our, our go-to shot, right? Our favorite, you know, our favorite club in the bag, a favorite shot that we can always trust. What's your go-to? What's your go-to club? What's your go-to shot? I'd say I'm deadly 185 yards in. Um, I hit my irons pretty well. I think that's one of the things that makes me, um, uh, for, you know, a, a club hack. It's one of the things that I think makes me a little ahead of my competition. But uh, 100 to 85, I'm pretty deadly. So speaking of competition, are you playing in tournaments? I do. I um, we belong to a club. I'm uh, I'm our four-time club champion. So Ooh. I'm uh, I I have a streak going here. I've won four in a row. So I'm next year. Hopefully, keep it up. There and now that go. I'm Good a little older, I'm also the senior club champion, so it's kind of uh, a little bit of a funny thing I have going. I was going to change my name for the senior one so people didn't think it was I was that old. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Come up with my so, senior club name. Yeah, you could go with your maiden name, right? Maybe <laughs> maybe it wouldn't get it. So. Kathleen, yesterday you and I were exchanging pictures of our our yeah. sports fans cave, right? You're you're unfortunately are an, are an avid Patriots fan. I'm an avid Steelers <laughs> fan. Our teams go at it this Sunday. Steelers um, week, but yeah, it's it's you know goodness knows we we got to beat the Patriots one of these times. Maybe maybe now that they've come off a loss, I hope that uh, oh. um, it, it, it's setting a good precedent. Maybe maybe the the Steelers will watch the tape of last night's game and figure out a way to get to Brady and, and uh, actually have some success. I got to I got to imagine you were pretty stunned as at a, at a loss against the Dolphins last night. You know, that was a hard game to watch. It was my sister's birthday and I had sent her a text earlier in the day, a picture of Tom Brady and he's like, "Kelly, I heard it's your birthday. We're going to win tonight." And then my <laughs> sister wrote me back halfway through the game and she's like, "You said we were going to win." I said, no, Tom said you were going to win. <laughs> it was a hard game to watch. Not, uh, no doubt. Not one of our so, better efforts. So you've got a lot of really cool stuff 
in, in your sports cave, including a couple of what look like real helmets from the Patriots, you know, from a throwback helmet to the 80s no. to a, a more recent helmet. What, what's your favorite thing in your sports cave? Um, I actually have a signed football with um, Tom. It's the, all three of them are on the ball. Uh, Tom Brady, Willie McGinnis, and Teddy Bruschi signed a ball. Wow. So I'm I'm pretty proud of that one. Yeah, no Legend. doubt you are. <laughs> so switching over sports to baseball, I think one thing we can agree on is the Red Sox. I lived up on the South Shore, you know, Cape Cod, uh, um, in between Boston and the Cape, I should say, for several years back mm-hmm. in the early to mid-'80s. So the Red Sox sort of got in my blood when we, we lived up there. So I'm a huge Sox fan now. So um, looking at the Sox, t- tell me, what are, what are your thoughts as we look ahead to – to 2018 now that the Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton can we compete you know I uh, you know when when I saw that come across the ticker I was like oh no and somebody said it best they were like the Yankees are hated again um (laughs) you know they were kind of the lovable guys last year that everybody kind of was getting behind I think it's going to be tough they it's someone who watches a lot of their games really lacking power and so I know their name, J.D. Martinez, came up today. If if they don't get somebody to hit some home runs at Fenway, I think it's going to be a long year. Yankees look yeah. tough. Agreed. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think they got to get a middle of the lineup, uh, you know, uh, power hitter. To your point, I think they got to get another starting pitcher because we don't know. Yep. What David Price is going to do? Rick Porcello has been a disappointment after yep. such a great year the year before. I think they got to get a solid number two behind sale, and I think they got to get a middle of the uh, the batting order hitter, or else I agree. I think uh, 2018 is going to be an awfully long season for the Red Sox. Yeah, the bullpen so, is looking a little shaky too, so hopefully they'll get some help there. Was 2004 one of the best years of your life? It was one of the best years of my life. That whole experience of the 2004 team, that win over the Yankees, as I stare up at my uh, – <laughs> frame picture of the chokes on us with uh, A-Rod with the, his hand over his face after we came back from that 3-0 deficit. One of the best times of my life. Absolutely. And uh, one of the proudest moments and one of the, the biggest thrills of my life is um, we took my dad to the World Series. And, you know, as a lifelong Red Sox fan, to be able to be there with him, truly special. Wow. Truly special. What game did you go to? We actually went to game three in St. Louis. Um, my sister at the time owned a um, a bar right outside of the stadium. So we had tickets and um, we were totally uh, dialed in and at the game and it was awesome. I think Manny hit a no home doubt. run like, in the first inning and, and it kind of was uh, right from the get-go. We, were, we, we knew we were going to win that game. Wow, good for you! I'm, again, yeah. I'm, I couldn't be more jealous of you and your life at this point, <laughs> Kathleen. Talk about you know before we let you go. Talk you know tell our listeners how can we stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. I see you out there on social media, uh, putting out some wonderful stuff. Talk about how uh, our listeners can catch up with you. Yeah, you know I'm uh, I'm I'm not on a lot of social media platforms. I do like Twitter uh, at Kodel Nike. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. I, on Sunday, I'm glued to the TV watching, uh, direct TV and all the games. So if you like to hear my 
commentary on football or baseball or all things sports, you can usually uh, tune into Twitter and find me uh, with an opinion on something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Kathleen, I certainly enjoyed getting to know you this year and having you on the show a couple of times. And, and uh, certainly we share the kinship with the Red Sox. I couldn't wish you more bad luck with the Patriots on Sunday. (laughs) Um, But uh, I can't thank you enough. Tom Brady's going to pick you apart. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, goodness knows he's done it every other time we've played him. You know, I, 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 I really hope, and again, you know, as, as we digress, but, you know, I, I just really hope this time we, we decide not to play zone defense. We, you know, it seems like we, we think, you know, we, we figured out this time we've got the right zone defense. He won't pick us apart just like we did last year in the AFC championship game when, when, uh, you know, we got some, oh, by the way, points, but it was really a blowout, you know, 38 to 16 is bad enough. It's not, it wasn't even that close. I think, I think Brady was laughing at us. By you know midway through the second half of that game because we we didn't even make any adjustments at halftime we figured yeah. uh, this is working we'll figure it out and, and not so much so hopefully this time we've got to figure it out I think your offense was like a that. little better this time I hope so I think so yeah, you know at least they, they they appear to be putting it together so hopefully our it's not going to matter if the defense doesn't show up on Sunday but uh, hopefully they, they'll do something a little bit different this time and hopefully the Dolphins gave us a blueprint on how to win uh, this game, and, and, and they figure this out. So we'll see. Well, you but know, anyway. I'll be uh, conversing with you during the game, so you can you can count on that one. <laughs> I look forward to that. Hopefully it's yeah, not exactly. at my expense. <laughs> well, Kathleen, again, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for coming on the show a couple of times this year. Hopefully we get to catch up with you again uh, in next year. We'll talk a little Red Sox baseball. Hopefully we get the – uh, you know, some good things happening there with the Sox, and then we'll uh, find out where you're playing your golf, and maybe you get over to Pinehurst number two, or it can give us an update on some of the other golf courses that you're playing, and maybe some equipment updates. Maybe if it tried a different golf ball, let us know which one yeah. matches with that Callaway driver, and you get some more distance, but I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. Well, thank you very much. I'm very honored that you asked me to come on. It's it's truly a pleasure, and uh, I really have enjoyed getting to know you this year as well. So thank you, and I, I wish you and your family a happy holiday. Absolutely. Same to you and yours. We look forward to catching up with you again uh, real soon, Kathleen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good night. That is Kathleen Odell, and uh, you can find her, like she say, on Twitter at Nike. And uh, she's got a lot of good stuff on her Twitter page, so go check her out there. And uh, hopefully, I don't get uh, you know tweets at my expense. As my Steelers are not looking very good when uh, when we're tweeting back and forth, or at least texting back and forth on uh, on Sunday. But uh, Kathleen's fantastic, and uh, what a wonderful career she had in college at Carolina. You know, winning three national championships there, and. Uh, did some great things while she was there at Nike as, as the director of sporting goods on the East Coast, but uh, a wonderful person. Can't thank her enough for her time tonight. All right, folks, before we close up shop, you know we always like to end by giving you a reminder about our good friend, uh, PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes, and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's hear a word from Jim so we can remind you about all the great things that they're doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, 
We've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, Jim and his team continue to do amazing things there at the Salute Military Golf Association. To find out more information and to see how you can get involved, go online to smga.org. I also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the Bradley Putter Company. This year, you know, you've heard me talking about the meteoric rise of the Bradley Putter Company. From concept a year ago on Black Friday to one of the sensations at the PGA Merchandise Show last January, I got mine, and boy, it's a beauty. We are proud to be partnering with Bradley to help promote their unique line of uh, putters made from burl wood. And these aren't ornamental putters, folks. People are raving about the look and the feel of the Bradley putter. They custom make them in the in the shape and the colors that you like. Mine are in black and yellow to support my uh, you know my Pittsburgh teams. Go online to BradleyPutters.com to see how fantastic this new line of putters really is. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks once again to Ron Syrak and Kathleen O'Dell for joining me tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro on Facebook. Share your feedback with us there. Plus, if you have a question for one of our future guests, let me know, and I'll be glad to get it on the show for you. If you've got a question about a previous guest, I'll be glad to forward that question over to them and get the answer back to you. Please go, also go online and check out our website, nextonthetea.net. There's where you can see who some of our future guests are going to be. Plus, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free right there on our website as well. Please also check out our sister show on the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazeri. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio. That show, like this one, is also available as a free podcast over on iHeartRadio and Podbean. And we can't thank our good friends over at Podbean enough for having us, you know, both shows, as featured podcasts in their sports and recreation section. Plus, folks, if you love streaming podcasts, check them out, podbean.com, or download the Podbean app. They've got a lot of great podcasts across all genres, so go check them out. As I mentioned, Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories from their playing days, plus giving us their insights into what's going on around the NFL. Plus, we also highlight two players doing great things in their communities and our spotlight on the positive segment. You can find that show online at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. Folks, thanks again for choosing to listen to the show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the T one of the podcasts or one of the shows you're listening to live. We appreciate you the very most. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you
It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf. 